Hello, Robbie. Hey, Ernie. Ah, how are you doing? Um, I think I'm well in pretty much every way. I've had a sinus infection that I've tweaked some of the things I've learned, and I have figured out how to accelerate what seemed to just be lagging. So uh, I think I'm close to being done with that. I'm excited both about what I've learned as well as being uh, free to breathe again. For you and and uh, pondering what a friend said this morning about it. I've learned to be a child of Jesus and now to uh, be an heir. Uh, uh, looking forward to hearing from Jesus what uh, what that means. And uh, I'm just uh, I, I I've had this actually experience this past week where things that I've dreamed of. Uh, accomplishing for uh, perhaps up to a decade, uh, dreamed about working toward anyway, have uh, I've released it into the Lord's hands with uh, uh, embracing the belief that I've had all along that he has all kinds of resources I don't know about, but I've lived as if the only resources are the ones I know about me, and so I try to accomplish things and make things happen. And as I'm resting in him, I'm seeing uh, very interesting pieces come together, new connections with people that have already built pieces of what I was wanting to see happen. So um, I'm, I think I'm in a new stage of truthfulness, like casting the net on the right side of the boat. And uh, that's very encouraging. Yeah, it's actually the similar something I've been thinking about. Um, in a software project or a, a marathon, uh, whatever, there's two different questions. Uh, the first question is, will you finish? Like, will you make it all the way through? And yeah. uh, the second question is, uh, how hard will it be? And uh -huh. the thing that uh, I feel like I'm at this point, that, like, I feel like after last week, it's like, you know, I think we have got it. Like, I feel like, you know, because a while ago we were sort of oscillating wildly. It was not clear that we were going to converge on something that we could both feel good about and people were willing to do that accomplished our purpose. But after right. the third, you know, and I'm like, I, like, I'm like, will I survive is kind of the first question. <laughs> and it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in the last week, it's like, uh, yeah, actually, this works. We're going to make it. Um, Yes. Uh, and then the second question is, is, uh, is how much is it going to cost? Uh, like, uh -huh. is it uh, how much? Is, and, and I realize there's a point of race. You go, yes, I'm going to make it to the end. I just don't know how much it's going to hurt. Uh -huh. there. And um, actually, even I, I think that uh, I feel like I'm actually over that hump too. In that, like, there were some really scary things I was facing that would have been quite traumatic. And it looks like uh, God isn't going to call me to die on that hill, which was nice. Okay. And like, there's still yeah. challenges, but it's like, I kind of feel like, in many ways, I, I hope there's always curveballs and, and this sense of something, but it definitely feels to me like we've kind of um, rounded the curve in that uh, there's, um, so I'm actually feeling kind of relieved and optimistic that, you know, there, not that it won't hurt, but that. I think it'll be a, there's sort of an upper bound on how much pain is necessary to get across the finish line.
right? So I'm imagining that you're describing pain also outside of the group. That uh, or are you experiencing? Were you experiencing a lot of pain in the group dynamics that you're referring to? Given that my family is like you know one sixth of the group, it's not easily decoupled. So the 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 narrative arc I'm going through of what DBJ is, what my dad and father are going going through, what's happening with my family, it's all kind of tied together for me. Oh, got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. You said you had some questions. Well, um, I actually approached you earlier about some things I was already thinking about, ways I'd like to start running with this. Uh, but there's also a thought I have. Uh, you, you had, maybe it was in a text, said that you felt like Jesus was saying to you you needed to pursue wider exposure. I don't remember the ex exact phrasing. Uh, but yeah. the, the thought that runs through my head quickly is that when I I have more influence on influencers when I engage them to learn something from them and they learn something that they didn't expect in interacting with me, then, I, then if I try and approach them to teach them something that they're not asking for, um, you follow ah. what I'm descri yes. describing there. Yes. So, so there's there's the circle of um, movement missiologists that have chimed in. I sent you some of the emails, not all of them, about the initial statement, observation, or theory that I posited that movements BBS doesn't work as well in North American. Uh, Christianized nations because of a different attitude in the individualistic cultures toward obedience. But I think there's actually a deeper issue that I'm now thinking about, which is that um, if uh, what what I think works for DBJ in, in Christ communities that have not had a lot of exposure to Christianity is Maybe what I said before has some relevance, but the other piece is that if you give people freedom to read the Bible and to interact with it themselves, they may naturally see that God wants to talk to people, that Jesus wants to talk to people, and they may discover freedom to hear and follow Jesus in a way that's typically not taught and sometimes actively discouraged within the Christian culture where we study the scripture for principles, and then we use those principles to judge um, others when they go off script without regard to whether it's the Holy Spirit's leading or not. So sometimes people go off script away from scriptural principles because of sin, but sometimes the Holy Spirit leads people to do things that we can't deduce from scriptural principles. And yet they are the spirits leading, and I think that I mean, that, was, that was that was kind of uh, Kierkegaard's whole point is that like there's no scriptural principle that says you should sacrifice your son, but that's what right. God said, and Abraham had to do it. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You just you just summarized existentialism. Um, so, but I, I I lost the thread of where you were going to in terms of review from people. So um, one place that we can go in terms of expanding exposure. So one, one, one thought that I had early, I had a friend who was hoping to join us but just couldn't work it into her schedule, but she has tremendous experience in this kind of area. 
And I have several, there are several others, including uh, Paul Watson that we talked with. And maybe, uh, I don't know, Tim Moore is probably too busy. But I, I have an interest myself in running um, a similar or parallel experiment where we invite people who feel like they've mastered a format to come together maybe with some people who haven't but are just willing to be guinea pigs and rotate uh, leading and trying different things to see uh, if, you know, what, what we might learn from cross-pollination with each other. You don't need to be involved with this, but uh, I, I'm interested in introducing what we've got here as one of these patterns and then inviting others to participate and just see where that goes and what I learned in the process and try and record it like we're doing here so that other people can follow along and see all the different variety and, uh, and maybe have some debriefing at the end about why we did things a certain way and what the general benefit typically has been in a movement, uh, why it's proven successful or why we think it's been successful. So that's, that's one thing I've been thinking about. Uh, one tip I would give you? Well, just yeah. one tip I would give you is that either you need to, in order for a, to have a coherent experience, one of three things. Either you have trust in a person who's running it and people are willing to just do whatever that person thinks they should do. Uh -huh. You have trust in a purpose where we all agree this is the thing we are trying to do. And right. then we can you know, argue about, you know, which is the best. Or you have agreement on a process that everyone is committed to. Okay. And you need at least one of those things to be relatively stable and wide and, and universally accepted, or else right. you tend to have a lot of chaos. That is my one of the learnings I had from the Great Reset. So, okay. uh, so if you, if, if uh, so, if you're like you know, it's not like get a bunch of people who are all you know interested in similar things and have shared values and discuss practices. But unless you have at least one of those three things that everyone agrees on. It's going to be really hard to keep it cohesive. Yeah. So if uh, if the goal was something like uh, a, a simple format that draws participants into more confidently and clearly uh, hearing, sensing, seeing Jesus leading them in daily life in a way that multiplies uh, through their households and other contexts. Uh, that would be a, a kind of a kind of a goal that we could use to measure the success. Yes yeah, and no. Be referred. Okay. No, so, and this is kind of the chance I've always had with the way you've been pitching this. It's like talking about multiplication is like really hard to measure, right? It's like okay, you have to run a this is like way back few months for approval. You can't just try it one week and say okay, it's successful. No. You have to actually, I mean, strictly speaking, if you want to measure multiplication, you have to actually multiply and then measure it. Right. And so, so it takes multiplication in that sense is a trailing measure. And if you want to run an experiment, I mean, I am running the experiment, right? We are running the experiment with DBJ. And then, you know, when the season ends, we're going to try and reproduce it in something slightly different next season. And then we have to see if it sticks. Right. Right. Okay. And so until then, it is purely a theoretical argument about whether something is going to multiply. Right. And theoretical arguments are dangerous ground because people will, 
infer based on a wide variety of things that are non-objective. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to like, um, just run the experiment, if you want to just see which we could, if, if all we care about is people's sense of how reproducible these things are, you could probably get some measure of that. But you know, be honest about what it is you're actually going to measure. Yeah. It's just so sentiment. Uh, it's not actual multiplication. Right. So a measure of is this something that I would want to multiply or or I'd want to share with my household is measurable where whether it actually works is uh, is slower to measure. You have to introduce <laughs> enough time to test that. Yeah. And, you know, but I think, you know, an interesting thing for me, actually, is if you're willing yeah. to do the shorter, more concrete measurement uh, is uh, a. Uh, a thing that you are willing to do with your household. I mean, that's an interesting framing and a very concrete right. one. Uh, yeah. If that's sufficient to, but what I've discovered in doing DBJ with my family is that uh -huh. it is uh, a different problem. Right. Because, you know, DBJ is very much a self selected set of people who are interested in, in something like this. Right. And whereas the family, they are kind of stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> they right. do not volunteer yep. for any of these experiments, and therefore uh, the challenges there for me is completely different. But if there are other people who are interested in something for themselves in their household, you know that would be a really meaningful and interesting experiment if you could get people into that. Yeah. Well, we could also say, uh, w would you find somebody else during the course of this to practice this with uh, between sessions? So I've been doing that the next morning with my daughter, and that's you know yielded uh it's enriched our relationship and it's also yielded insights that have worked their way back into the uh, the thing um it's a nice idea so robbie i have no idea whether anyone else is like you in this regard right yeah well um that's a good question um but uh, uh so anyway that's uh, i've i've been playing around this is a, a, a variation of something i probably had mentioned before that I was eager to do and uh, you had asked at that time that we kind of that I wait until we were further along I don't know if at this point you're you have the same sense of uh, why don't we wait until after the whole series is finished uh, but I can start dreaming about doing this and thinking through how I pitch it um, or uh, I, I still haven't written back to these missiologists and I've been uh, thinking about what to write to them, and I could, in the context of responding, say that I'm uh, interested in this. Would anybody else be interested in this kind of idea? Uh, do uh, you have any a, sense about here's, the timing? Here's, here's, so here's the thing that I would, well, first, the thing I care most about is actually the right question. Okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the, the, uh, in, for engineers like us, we right. have a problem. And then we find a solution to our problem. And we say, we love this solution. You should try our solution. Right. But we don't say, do you actually care about this same problem? Ah, okay. And, right, and so the thing that I'm learning as I hang around with salespeople and people who've done this before and do this for a living, it's like, okay, look at your problem, look at your solution. And then look at the people you think would like your solution. Then ask yourself, what is the problem they primarily care about? Uh -huh. And then think about what is something that I can do 
that will speak to the problem that they care about. Because getting people to care about my problem is really, really, really hard. Sure. And as we discovered from the first round, you know, the, uh, and uh, if you want to solve something for them that they care about, you should do that. Hold on a second, there might be a small collision. Oh, you got a call? So, for the listening audience, I'm still here. Okay, I'm here. I'm back. Thank you. Yep, sure. So, the problem. So, the thing is, is that, yeah. The, the problem so, that, the, uh, that my community cares about is what will it take to get movements multiplying uh, through Christianized lands like North America? So there, this is the this is the the weird thing that I have discovered, Roger. Yes. Is that um, a lot of people care about that, but they care about that in different contexts, and they have different thresholds for what they consider interesting and how much they're willing to invest or let go of to pursue that. And sure. so, you know, so I think there is a question like that. But then the question is, okay, but, uh, my my sense was is that of the people that we initially surveyed, about half of them said, uh, you can't do that working with Christians. <laughs> like that's just a non-starter. Sure. It's not even something that they're willing to spend time thinking about because it just seems impossible. Right, um, right. And I think the, and so the, uh, we need a more precise, uh, I guess they call it psychographic. You know, it's not okay. just what their job is, but what is their mindset? Like, uh -huh. the, so there's people who are, um, and what are we offering them? Like if we say, hey, take the seven-week course and then you'll see, you know, that is a fairly high bar for a lot of busy people. I'm so glad you had somebody who did show up for this one. That was extraordinary. Great. Um, but then, you know, or to say, well, if I'm going to, if, if they say, well, I want to see, you know, empirical data that this works, it will come back to me in three generations, right? Right. There's uh -huh. no point in engaging them now if they're going to want to see empirical things. So if the people it's like, so... That's why I think you need to narrow down your target. And so that's a real question of, depending on who you want to engage with, it could be, uh, you know, people who wanted to be part of the early scary prototyping phase. Okay, it's too late for that, but hopefully we got most of those. So that's fine. So the question is, is what type of person do you want to engage with? And then I can tell you whether I think this is too soon or too not, or, or just the right time. Yep. So um, what I, so one, one, Part of moving forward is I'd like to replicate what we're refining here with people in my support community, people that pray for us, give toward us, and uh, attract mm -hmm. with what we're doing. Uh, just to share something that I think will be a blessing to them and to deepen relationships and whatever. Um, but mm -hmm. the the first thing I started with, which is uh inviting people who care about the problem of movements in north america and christianized lands uh who feel like they may have something that they think could work and are interested in refining it to uh come and experience a variety of formats together and see what we learn in the process um and uh something that's inspired by what you and i have done but is going to start 
uh, in a sense from scratch with the experience of each participant when it's their turn to lead and uh, then debrief and see what we come up with together with people that have movement experience um, who have oh, different varieties of experience. If you could do that, that would be awesome. Okay. okay. Uh, the, the thing is, as always, is you need to be, uh, so uh, there are two failure modes. Uh, one is yep. that uh, you aren't clear enough about what you want, and so people don't come. And right. the second is you aren't clear enough of what you want, and people do come who have different expectations. Right. So getting so the I'm right gonna... clear explanation of what you want, what you're promising, what you're asking of people, what is the mindset you want them to bring when they come? One of the things that I yep. have discovered coming uh, leaving the world of Caltech and Apple is most people can only hold so many variables in their head at one time. Uh -huh. So they can vary two or three things that they're comfortable varying. And if you try to vary other things that people think of as constant, they get deeply stressed out. Right. And so therefore you need to be, so, and on Brent's line, we, you and I are Jesus geeks. We love tinkering with the, the stuff that makes the mechanics of our faith and practice. Right. Right. Uh, that is a relatively unusual personality trait. And uh -huh. I have gotten into enormous trouble by assuming that other people shared my fascination of tinkering, tinkering with the mechanics. Right. So that is just a caution for you to think about as you uh, uh, try to go down that road. Yeah. As always, I'm thrilled for you to go out there and make your own mistakes rather than uh, getting trapped by my wisdom. So um, it, it, uh, I could, we could do this as an adjunct to DBJ in the sense of this is auxiliary supplementary uh, recorded set of things that people who are interested in DBJ could also reference, you know, review, get inspired by. Um, or sure. I could just run it separately. I could set up, I, I don't know what it takes to do YouTube Live. Do I have to have a paid YouTube uh, the main, account? The, no, you have to have a um, paid Zoom account. I have that. Uh, and, okay, and then you basically just have to go through these steps, which are slightly tedious, but not that difficult to set up a YouTube channel. Oh, okay. And that's um, it. So it, it's really, you know, a very lightweight thing to do. And then, okay. you know, it, it really depends a little bit sort of how much elbow grease you want to put into it. And, you know, the, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable either way. If you want to do it as a DBJ thing, you know, DBJX, right? This is just a, an experimental right. branch of DBJ where we're trying different stuff. Sure, I mean, that's yep. uh, always a sign. And, and um, I don't know if it's that. Uh, I think it is straightforward for me to give you, it's easier for me, I think, to give you YouTube access than it is for me to give you access to my Zoom account without like an enterprise license. Log your right. Zoom account, I think you'd be able to just log in and, and post to my YouTube channel if you want to do that. For me, that's really more of a, a perception thing. If people are interested in doing this under the sort of umbrella of DBJ, then that would be awesome. If they would feel like they want more of a neutral platform where they're trying different things, you know, then that might be more appropriate. Uh, I suspect most people either uh, won't want to do this or they would be doing it because they trust you and they're willing to just do it whatever framework works for you. Right. Well, um, I, I'm a little bit drawn. I'm drawn more toward 
doing it in the context of GB, DBJ because I think uh, there's more value in DBJ itself and raising awareness of that than in what I expect to discover from harvesting leader movements of leaders, you know, harvesting the experience and modeling their experience uh, from other cultures. Because I, I don't, I don't know that the other culture experience translates as well. But I may be surprised. We may find some very significant things. Yeah, um, yeah the thing that, I, that occurs to me that uh, that I that I would suggest you consider doing first. Uh -huh. Rather than trying to engage people into like a big long-term project where you try all these different, different people, why don't you just host like a, another pilot, like I did? We say like, hey, right. I've been working with this friend of mine. We have this really interesting thing here uh, that we think has some really interesting characteristics. Usually, we want to spend a couple yep. of hours. Uh, we spend 90 minutes walking through the format, and then another hour discussing it and helping and just giving me feedback on how this compares. To other things that you've had experience with, so we draw on their expertise, right? Um, to say, you know, hey, this is a, you know, this is our, you know, sort of version two of our prototype, and we'd love to have people who have experience with these different modalities of hearing and obeying Jesus for you to go through. Because I think that one of the things that you know I was always nervous about when you send out, like, if you send people a written work, I always say, right? if you send them a piece of written text, they will fill yeah. in all these pieces in their head. If you can right. take them through an experience, then at least you can get them to say, well, you know, this, I'd like to say DBJ doesn't work in theory, but it works in practice. That's what I'm hoping right. for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that you give people an experience. So, anything that you can do to bring people to an experience where they experience it, and they feel like my father in law did at the end of the first session where he said, I feel closer to these people than people I've gone to church with for years. Right. Together. Like, if that happens, then you've got something. And people can talk about what they liked or didn't like or whatever and how it scales. It doesn't scale. But if they haven't, if you don't have a compelling user experience, then uh, nothing else really matters. Right. So um, I'm not sure if I follow what you're suggesting. We could invite in a second round of DBJ for people I know to come and experience this format and offer us their feedback. Um, and, and that's slightly, if that's what you were suggesting, that's slightly different and complementary in my mind to inviting people who are interested in sharing and guiding a group experience to model what they think uh, is most helpful or what, you know, what they, how they would like to do it, just like you've let me do on Friday mornings, right? Hold on so, a second. I just got another call. Yep. yep. So to the listening audience, we're just on hold waiting for uh, yeah. Ernie to... Yeah. There we are. Yes, I'm back. Yes. Thank you for filling the air there. So what I would say is that from my perspective, yeah. is that and is that if you have people who are already geeking out about this, people let's call them hackers. Okay, if you have people who are already yeah. community format, ha format hackers who are into yep. just hacking their formats, then... Great. Then, then you have a pool of people you can say, hey, let's get together for a few weeks and just practice hacking each other format. That makes sense to me. From what I have right. seen of your target audience, most of these people are not format hackers. They're format uh -huh. implementers. And therefore, uh, I suspect the only way that you could draw them into a hacking thing 
is if you give them a demo first. And okay. that's what I would say that rather than asking them to sign up for this long, process, like, hey, I have an idea of something I'd like to do. But what I'm asking you to sign up first is, were you willing to try just a little pilot with me where, we, where I show you what I mean? And then, uh-huh. you know, once, you, once you've experienced it, then you say, okay, now we're interested in trying to do this in some other ways down the road. So you're asking right. them for the, the, the smallest viable ask. What is the specific is, uh, thing it, you're asking them to sign up for? Uh huh. For a single session and, to experience. Yeah. And then decide. Yeah. Yep. And then with the hope that, like, if we discover something here, then we can turn it into something more interesting. Right. Well, and that would be an easy thing to do. Um, and now I would, I would love to involve you if you're interested in participating in the single session and/or the uh, whatever comes of that. Um, does that inspire you? Does that draw you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, doing a pilot for people yep. is something I would love to do. One, because I think it's a good thing to do. Two, uh, one, it's just good to do it. Two, it's good to uh, expose it to people. Three, um, you know, it's a great learning experience for me. So, and like I said, signing up to do a single session, you know, just yeah. to give people a taste of what DBJ is, is an easy thing for me to do. Asking yeah, people to, to a larger context of doing things that's much harder for me yeah well and i'd say four i like working with you so uh if we find okay, something that you. we're both drawn to that that adds a lot to me um okay. okay so so let's let's hold that as an idea for you know when the dust settles from what we're currently doing and i'll in my spare moments i'll continue, i'll flesh out a little more of what i'm thinking about that um, the second thing i would ask you to do with that is always think about yes. your customer zero you know, I missed you a keyword. Customer zero. Like, zero. Assuming okay. this is a good idea and that people would like it, who is the person who is most likely to say yes and talk to them right. first? Because if they okay. say yes, they become your evangelist. And if they say no, you say, okay, if this person doesn't like it, then maybe my concept is wrong. Right. So Paul Paul Watson comes to mind as a possibility. He's got you know strong feelings and a format and idea. Um, but as you said, half of the people that wrote back don't think what we're trying is even possible or relevant. Uh, and one of the questions in my mind is, should we should we actively avoid those kind of people, or should we involve them and see if their perspective changes? Um, and well, I suppose it depends rule, on the goal. Yeah. But yeah, the goal. So the, the the general rule of startups is is shun the haters. Okay. Right. Is that the, and that's why the, the the so those people will only so who's early adopter who's who's already adopter who's lag okay people whose business model depends on them uh, unquestionably accepting a certain format are unlikely to be early adopters right 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 oh you cut out. Um, so I'm still talking here. I don't know if uh, Ernie, maybe your headphones failed. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, Ernie dropped the call, probably due to uh, headphone battery issues. Hello, Ernie. That was just a random call drop. Oh, uh, you know your your sound has been flickering in and out, and I was wondering if your battery was low on your headphones or something. But 
No, I don't think so. I think it may just be the cell signal wandering off. Okay. Well, you sound good now, but it's been switching in a somewhat not very comfortable way in between like a very scratchy sound and fairly clear uh, as we've been talking for whatever it's been the half hour. Well, I'll try um, to become stationary so that it uh, at least is consistent, hopefully in a good PlayStation <laughs> rather than a bad one. Okay. Uh, well, so then the other thing that I'm, uh, as I mentioned, I'm interested in beginning to uh, try using this with other friends. Uh, but again, the, uh, the issue, uh, are you wanting people who adopt this and embrace the recording of it to be setting up their own YouTube channels for this? Or are you uh, inclined toward trying to host these in some way uh, for those that want you to provide hosting? Or what are you thinking in terms of scaling this up? You know, I had not thought about that. It's an interesting question. So given that I have to grant YouTube channel access to um, uh, host them on my channel, like I have to give right. your, your Gmail account permissions, I think it was, yep. it's, it's probably worth thinking about in-house versus extended. So for people I know, like you, yeah. it, it certainly uh -huh. is simpler, and especially for the first few generations, by the, the simplest thing, for, uh, there's two things that are relatively easy. One is people yeah. I don't know doing whatever they want, wherever they want to do it. That is easy. Yep. If someone yep. sees this and, gra and grabs the thing and just goes with it in you know, Kazakhstan, like, God bless them. That's awesome. Yep. Um, yep. And then the second, that's the easiest thing of all, because it has no obligations or expressions whatsoever. The second thing is right. to do what you and I have been doing. Where you say, okay, uh -huh. we pick a date, we set up an Evite channel, we we have a bunch of sessions. You, I host one, you host one, somebody else hosts one, and I build the mechanics to manage the uh, YouTube channels and the mailing list and the chat or whatever. That is challenging, uh, but it is the right pain because I would like to try and build the infrastructure to make it easier for me to do this and right. make it easier for other people to do it with me. So for the first uh -huh. couple of generations, when it's people like you that I know then it's like, okay, let's do it together. Now, if it's someone, okay. the, the weird case is where like, oh, I have this friend who wants to do it, uh, but he's never been through DBJ with us and he wants to use our YouTube channel and brand with us. It's like, well, I want to at least like do a pilot with them first to make sure we have some yep. shared concept of what it is we're doing. So if it's someone right. we've done a DBJ with and they want to do it, I'm totally uh, open uh, module of the limits of my time and technical ability to right. keeping them on, inside the umbrella and letting them just access okay. the same channels and everything else. Uh -huh. um, oh, yeah, the one other point I wanted to make was, uh, um, I kind of warned Ross on this, is that like some of these issues of why people do things a certain way are not merely technical issues. They are uh -huh. issues of values and business model and spiritual strongholds. And particularly, I think we talked about the fact that bounded communities um, tend towards hierarchical uh, in-out thinking just by their very right. nature. And uh -huh. so the very concept of a, uh, a centered set rather than a bounded set is a massive conceptual shift for a lot of people's understanding of Christianity. And right. so uh, uh, trying to have minor technical discussions when people have not made the major paradigm shift is usually frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's looking for people who are, you know, um, Pushing, pushing the envelope already, who are you know interested in trying different things or are not already 
um, well, it was, they, say, they say target non-consumption. If somebody's already happy with their model, you have to be 10 times better before they will consider yours. So if BBS uh, okay. is working for them, God bless them. Let them keep working yep. it. They are not yep. the early adopters. Um, yeah. Okay, they will only, you know, some of them will be after they see hard evidence, some of them will be when they have no choice. And some of them may say, right. oh, wait, DB, DBS is really good in this context, DBJ is not, and let's agree to, you know, Paul and Peter split up the world that way, that's fine. Um, right. So look for people who are hungry for something uh, that you can provide. Uh-huh, okay. And then we can provide now. What we can provide now is a small data set of people who are willing to walk through this with us. Um, you know, after session seven, where we collect some testimonies, I think we'll have something more like um, what I would consider like we run the experiment. This is what people are saying. This is what they're willing to do. That will be uh, uh, so. Some group of people. I think we have the people who are kind of like the let's play around with this because we're adventurous. Like Brent, God bless him, right? Uh, he likes being an early adopter. Um, you know, Cowboy Tim, I would love to do a session with him, either as a one alone or an ongoing one, you know, just right, to kind right. of experiment that with him and get his feedback from his perspective. Uh, there yeah. are some business model differences between what he does and we do, which, you know, long term may be a challenge. But I think that, you know, if he's up for doing something over seven weeks and, you know, giving us feedback to try different things that he's tried, you know, that would be fantastic. Uh, I would yeah. really love to do something like that. Um, but then I think there's a second group of people. To me, the most interesting marketing aspect of this is that after we've done season one and while uh -huh. we're running season seven is that we start taking the, because I think we need to launch season two, you know, around the end of season session six so that we're ready to sort of pick up, you know, on week eight, as it were, with a new okay. season. Uh, um, but um, the, the interesting marketing materials will come out of session seven, episode uh -huh. seven where we get people to share about their experiences and what they want to do because of this and how it's impacted them. Because that I'm thinking would be a rich treasure trove of anecdotes and testimonials and sound bites that yeah. we could use to appeal to a wider public who want to see like, well, how has it actually worked in practice? You know, if they can talk to Brent. I mean, you know, that's, you know that would be the, the, the um, you know, I'm not even ready to ask for this at the end of, of one season. But what, if Brent would say, you know, I have some friends who would really benefit by going through this, who are intellectual yep. and different mission agents, things like that. I mean, that would be like, I would do that in a heartbeat is if Brent would pick, you know, three or four of his buddies who he thinks would be into this and we do a session mm -hmm. for them, that would be massively right. high leverage. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, and there's, there's things that if, if you and I said them would mean nothing, but if Brent says them, people would, would, would react completely differently. For certain people and so that's yep. the question it's not just like i say it's not just who you know or, or what you know it's who knows and trusts what you know yeah and as different and and you know what people will trust you for uh depends on the context and so if you can find something like for me i think the most interesting thing for me frankly would be for to see if, if i had to choose would be for you to do this with your friends and supporters you have uh -huh. people that you care about, that you have a connection to, who have an investment in you. Right. And, you know, um, and then, you know, I think that would be uh, a really good strategic investment for you. Um, right. And it would also be a really good, and, and also your, your pool is also, I would say, above average mission literacy. 
because we've been talking about these things all this time. So I think that would be a really good emotional investment for you uh, to just build those relationships so that they get to know you at a deeper level and you get to bless them at a deeper level. And I would think that the the more professional, pure uh, thing, that feels more like a season three kind of thing. Maybe we do a few pilots and tests here and there. But I think that, okay. that they would be more comfortable after it's more polished and has more data and more uh, testimonial behind it. That's my gut sense. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, you may be right in that. I like to um, get feedback while things are more fluid um, than to be so polished. It feels like we're not really uh, looking, although, you know, maybe it, it feels now like when we are already at that place where we feel pretty confident that this is a good format. Uh, the thing that for me is is still missing and maybe what you're just describing in the seventh episode uh, covers this is uh, stimulating this question of uh, uh, where might Jesus sense you be be prompting you to take and replicate something inspired by this, not maybe exactly this, but to um, engage others exactly. in the way that yeah. you've been engaged. And are you yeah. are you envisioning that as just being a seventh session uh, discussion and not something that's worked into the format as a weekly prompt? Yeah, I think so because right now, like we actually replicate last week, this week. I mean, like like I said, the biggest problem is like what is this, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. We even defined what this is, and I feel like we're yep. getting a lot closer. But like uh, yeah. uh, you, I, I admire and am occasionally terrified by your willingness to reproduce things that you don't know what they are. Um, uh-huh. But for better or worse, that is a rare trait. So most okay. people, it's like, uh, is it like so? Like after session six, we've actually gone through to say, okay, now you know what this is. Now you know how it ends up. That's just what it looks like from the beginning. And right. this is the kind of thing. And um, the again, my experience is that most human beings, not techers. Uh, techers are human beings right. too, but a interesting sub variant. Like they yeah. want to have a concrete ask. They would say, you know, hey, so like to say, you know, hey, we are wanting to open up more sessions next season. Would uh-huh. you be interested in hosting a session for people you know? And yep. we would, okay. so we would just, I, mean, I think we've already made it clear that like, hey, we have a template you can use as a starting point, and you are not just encouraged; you are required to adapt it to what you're comfortable with based right. on the feedback okay. you're getting from the people. And we will drop in and observe from time to time, uh-huh. you know, to have, help coach you through it. But it's your session and you're the host. You're the one inviting these people and right. to go with it. So, so we give them a really concrete thing that they want to do. And people always have the freedom to go off script and do something uh-huh. more adventurous. But if we're going to ask I people, like it's that. better to give them a really concrete ask with a really concrete next step. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, if we actually have a miracle where session five and session six are basically the same format, that will be a miracle. Yeah, right. And I think that will, give, well, that will give us confidence that, okay, this is good enough to use, not as the thing we do forever, but as a template for what we start doing next time. Yeah. So now I don't know if, you, uh, if I've just got five or 10 more minutes. If uh, there's time mm-hmm. to tell me about the inspiration behind the series of scriptures you selected, or if that's a separate conversation you want to record. It's it's a really short answer I can give it to you, is that, so when we finished the Great Reset and had our big finale with communion and everything, I kind of woke up on Monday morning with the vision of DBJ, which was the six Uh weeks around, you know, praise, mission, uh, spirit, word, body, and blood. 
And then okay. I said, okay. And so that like I got right away. And I said, okay, well, what do I do next? Well, uh, this idea of, uh, I really want to do something around uh, Jesus lovers. Because the thing that really uh-huh. struck me was that if people are wedded to a problem or wedded to a format or wedded to an ideology, it's really hard to do something new with them. But if they're really wedded to Jesus and they're hungry for more of Jesus, those are the people I want to make happy. Yeah. I want them to be bugging me about, I'm not getting enough Jesus. I want more of Jesus. Not, I'm not contributing enough. Or this doesn't match my existing format. And like those, those are not the problems I want to have. I want to have the problem with people who have plenty of sin and need plenty of grace. That's my, yeah. that's my, as I said, okay. So, so I originally started thinking about the disciple John who followed Jesus to the cross. And I don't think I ever published this blog post, but I wrote it a few times about, you know, following Jesus to the cross during Lent. Uh, and so I started saying, well, okay, that, that, I like that one about Jesus. But they said, okay, how do you turn that into a, a narrative over six or seven sessions? And like, when I started playing with it, like, well, I want to talk thing about like, well, you start by following me and you kind of end with where we ended up with the DBS study around, uh, you know, John 21 or whatever it is, where Jesus talks to Peter. And I said, well, you know, it really feels like Peter's more the main character here than John. Um, right. And I said, well, what, what, what are some interesting episodes of Peter's life? And I looked at it and I said, well, you know, there's actually kind of six interesting episodes I remember from Peter's life where he, he is called to Jesus and then he walks through these things. And it's a really juicy yeah. one about where Peter confront, both confesses and confronts Jesus, which it still blows me away that those passages are right next to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and like that says something important. I said, okay, it feels like Peter should be the hero of this because it's right. easier to make the points I want to make. And, um, and, and like, you know, that just kind of worked. It's like yeah. calling a Peter, uh, the um, confession of Christ, the uh, denial of Jesus and the restoration. Those four were easy. And then, yeah. uh, you know, walking on water and uh, the transfiguration kind of dropped in naturally because they were kind of the same sort of thing. Right. So uh, I went back and forth between six and seven, but at the end I decided, you know, having six solid sessions and a seventh review uh, feels good. And, you know, I'm really hoping to like take, uh, like for the next session, uh, God willing to like put some of the philosophy and purpose of this in the marketing material. So people know what it is before they sign up. Uh, So we don't have, and then then we can just spend a really small amount of time reviewing that at the first session and dive right into it. Great. So that doesn't, but, uh, it, I mean, God, God, apart from the inspiration of God's spirit, it's not an easily replicable, we could pick the next set of, uh, somebody could know what, how you got here and pick a, 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 another set for a next episode or, or you know, continuing study. Right, but I'll, 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 tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I'm planning to do for the next season and how I expect this to play out. So my hope is that I will generate lots of these playlists for the first I will generate okay. the playlist for the first season, few seasons, uh-huh. because those are yeah. cheap and trivially replicable. It's like, this is a decent playlist. Let me just use it, right? Yeah. We don't need yeah. a lot of innovation in playlists to make a really yeah. diverse and interesting experience. So I'm not too yeah. worried about that. And then at some point, someone will say, you know, either A, I'll run out of ideas, or they'll say, you know, that's kind of lame. Uh, I can do better than that. Or I just anoint someone to do it. I mean, who knows? And people just, and certainly when people do different languages and whatever. So I assume organically people will do stuff, but that is the least important thing to me to get diversity on. Yeah. Um, Because, and by the way, I've already planned out the next season because next season is Pentecost, right? 50 Uh, days after Easter is Pentecost, seven weeks, perfect timing. 
and so I want to do uh, the, the, the expansive gospel. Uh-huh. And so I want to start actually with the Syrophoenician woman and the Roman centurion and all these non-Jews who appear in the gospels and then go through uh-huh. Pentecost and Cornelius and some of these things. And that yeah. feels like the right uh, next step after um, you know, the crucifixion, because this is like going through the crucifixion feels like kind of an important deal uh, right. to cover, even though we kind of uh, dance around it between sessions five and six. And then I want to touch on Pentecost, both because, um, you know, in time with Pentecost, but also I really want to spend my time in terms of the session I host defining people who are, let's call them para-Christian. They're Christian adjacent. Right. They don't consider themselves uh-huh. Christians, but they hang out with Christians. And yeah. I, my, my, yeah. my hope is with Joanna, if God opens the door, is to do something for South Indians, South Asians. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, because she has an Indian friend who's a Hindu who's fine with Jesus but can't stand Christianity. I have some relatives in the same boat. Uh, that's yeah. why I would love to do a session on that and really think about, okay, how do I take this format that was designed for Christians to the point and make this something that I feel good about giving to westernized uh, para-Christians? Yeah. So that's kind of where my thought, heart is at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, so a couple of thoughts. Um, one is there's a Kairos oral Bible that's a set of 100 stories or 88 stories that have been picked out to, and they, those might provide some helpful fuel uh, at some point there at a link that's easy to deal with. And they're concrete units that build a, an overall worldview about God and the world. Now, the other thing that strikes me is that we're trying to, I think what we're trying to create is a format that encourages people to go off script, to listen to the Holy Spirit and innovate rather than simply replicate what the Holy Spirit's given us without any further change, which is my experience of most uh, DBS and movement strategies is the leader gets inspired by the Holy Spirit to do something new, but then they try to standardize it so that everybody follows what God gave them. And all the books written about movements tell how to do exactly what I did uh, rather than how to hear from God like I did to do something new. And uh, if if that, if we end up with something that frees people to hear Jesus and innovate, uh, that to me is the greatest uh, miracle here. Yeah, and I, and I think more than just that, because uh, it's, it's this loop, uh, is they need to hear uh-huh. Jesus and they need to hear other people, yeah. right? Because it, it, to me, that that is the uh, the key idea of the host is like the host's job is to bring is to bridge Jesus to these people, and it's yeah. like yeah. Uh, uh, if uh, and then we use one as the check on the other. Like sometimes people will say things really clearly, and I say I agree that like the thing where you and Joanna were talking about, like make it small, make it longer. And I say, well, that's the reasonable thing to do, but I feel Jesus is calling me to do the unreasonable thing, right? Right. And right. so you have to have that balance. Conversely, I have certainly more than once done what I thought Jesus was doing, and it falls flat on what people expect. And I say, okay, I need to revise that. And and being able to live in that tension. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, but I think the, the key point about this is that there is this feedback loop at the end of each session where we say, what did people, what worked and what didn't? And that you have not just the opportunity, but the obligation to adapt what you're doing to make sure it's achieving what God has put on your heart to do in these people. And use us as a prototype 
to 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 riff on rather than the the molds to conform to. But yes, and that uh, to me, in fact, is perhaps the most important, and if anything, most you know most viral and most subversive aspect of this uh, is because yeah. it is saying that like I really trust people and the Holy Spirit more than I trust myself. Yeah, and, and for me, one of the big lessons was uh, I need to be willing to follow the prompting without trying to second guess it and, to, and to, not to evaluate it by how it impacts others, but to even be willing to fail in the sense of what what works for the group or didn't work for the group, but to be willing to fail in what maybe the spirit's leading and learn from that. Um, which is it fits with what you're saying. It's just slightly different emphasis, I think. Yeah, um, no, but for, I think the other thing that is the, the secret. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go finish your thought. No, but I think well, one just, thing that I think that I've appreciated is that actually leading these groups is to me actually the most transformational experience. Right. It's actually yeah. the hosting of it, and, and like I said, the very good. I'm doing this because I need to grow closer to Jesus, and I need to enlist everyone else to help me. And in exchange, hopefully, I'll help you too. But my personal growth and my personal narrative transformational journey is really the reason I do this first. Um, but then, you know, I know that the way that God's economy works, it has to, we have to close that loop with everyone. So I hope that, that people, um, in some ways, the, the template and the format is almost like the, the pretext. It's like when you get married, yeah. you marry someone because of the initial attraction to them. And then you discover there's right. this whole rich layer of things you have to deal with. In some ways, you know, the 90-minute template is the um, the public face of it. But the real work uh -huh. is all these discussions you and I have on the back channel about how we iterate it, how do we deal with this problem or that problem, and the growth we yeah. go through in that process. And that's yeah. what I want to enroll people in. But it's almost impossible to explain that to them ahead of time. They just have to kind of go through it and see bits and pieces, and then they just have to do it themselves. Right, right. All right, I think my dinner's waiting. Uh, okay. You want to say close, closing prayer? Sure. Let you go. God, I just thank you for Robbie and his partnership in the gospel uh, from the first day until now. I pray you bless him, bless his family, and just guide us, open and close the right doors so the DBJ becomes whatever you want it to be. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Ernie. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.